Please remain standing for our call to worship. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill toward God. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards all. Chapter 9, verses 2 through 7. Though people walking in darkness have seen a great light, on those living in the land of deep darkness a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For us, a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and will, and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. In those days of Caesar Augustus issued a decree that the census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria and everyone in his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, a time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, um, he be, because there was no room for them in the inn. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all the people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped snugly in, this, in strips of cloth lying in a, in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of the heavens, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherds' story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. 
It was as the angel had told them. Will you join me in prayer? Lord Jesus, on this night, we are reminded of the words of the scriptures that proclaim to us that although you had the entire universe under your command when you looked at your people, you didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but in humility became like one of us, became a humble child, not born into a world of riches and royalty, but instead born to a lowly maiden and her carpenter husband. Without worldly fanfare, you entered into this world, but the shepherds were there. They knew the good news. Lord, tonight our prayer is that you would make us like those shepherds. That the Spirit of God would go out into our hearts right now. Even as we sit here in this worship service, Lord, our hearts may be far from you. Lord, send a star. Send an angel. That we might hear those words proclaiming the truth of the gospel. Calling us to your presence. So that we can worship you. That we can worship a God who loves his children so much that he came into this world to live as one of us and to die for us. Not for any sins that he had committed, for he had no sin, but rather for the sins of the entire world. My sin. Lord, bring to mind those areas of our lives that we need to be aware of this Christmas. Lord, show us those parts of our hearts that have been closed off to you that we might be able to receive all the gifts that you give to us, Lord. Lord, you came to give us the gift of your presence. You came to give us the gift of redemption. Lord, give us the gift of an open heart that we might be able to receive that because a gift does no good if it's not received. And Lord, that's why we're here. So cut through all the chatter of our hearts and our lives and our minds, even here tonight, and speak to us loud and clear. Lord, you have given us the greatest gift. And now as we come to our time of our offering, Lord, we seek to to return a portion of that gift back to you. Lord, I pray that you'd give us generous hearts as you are generous. I pray, Lord, that you'd give us a heart to reach out for the benefit of others, even at our own sacrifice, because that's indeed what you have done. Lord, may the gifts that we give tonight represent our love for you. Lord, we know we can't outgive you, but God, we can show you how much we appreciate the fact that you came to give so much to us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. We're so glad that you've come to worship this evening. You're in uh, a great place here, and we're so grateful that you're here. Um, If you're a visitor or guest with us, um, come back on Sunday mornings. We have several services every Sunday. We'd love to have you uh, with us. 
We are part of a church that's an exciting, in an exciting moment in its history right now. This facility was built in 1895, added to in 1966, and we hope in 2016 or 17 to add a new facility to, alongside these ones uh, to, on the east side of town. Uh, right now we're in what's known as the Build Campaign, and certainly there's a lot you can learn about that by going to our website or asking one of our members. But we hope you'll be praying forward for it and... and uh, helping us push forward to grow to the kind of church that God would want us to be uh, in this time. May we pray. Lord our God, we have come among the, the lights and the carols, the poinsettias and the flickering candles of Christmas, and we drink it all in and we love it. Lord, there is this sentimental, nostalgic feel to all of that that is around us today, and we love that in our hearts. And Lord, it's also important for us to hear and feel something new here today. For while all that sentiment and nostalgia is wonderful and it makes us feel good, it is the new power of you coming to be Emmanuel, Jesus our Messiah, that is what is fresh in our spirit. We ask, Lord, that though we've walked by Christmas many times, that you might assist us and guide us to being exhilarated and excited in you. Help us, Jesus, in this Christmas Eve, as we stand at the edge of one of our favorite of days, to be blessed by you and to be thrilled in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the Christmas message is as follows. You know, the last time I got on an airplane was one of those really fascinating thought-provoking experiences that kind of hits you out of the blue and just comes and sits right down beside you. I, I was seated beside a woman who had never been on an airplane before. Have you been by her? It's hilarious, isn't it? She was an absolute kick. She was like, she was like a little child on there. She was so thrilled, so excited, so exhilarated to be on a flying bus for the first time in her life. She was the epitome of wide-eyed wonder. She looked over at me and she says, I've never flown before. I can tell, I said. <laughs> and she went on. She says, I'm 62 years old and this is my first time on an airplane. Isn't this wonderful? It's so exciting, so thrilling. Just think of this huge, heavy piece of metal with all of these people and all of that cargo is actually going to jump up off the ground and fly to where we're going. It's amazing. It's incredible. It's a miracle. It was hilarious to watch her. She was seizing the moment, celebrating every, everything about it, relishing this new, exciting experience. She was so into it. She was laser beam focused on what was going on, and she was just taking everything in. She, she tested the seatbelt several times. She, she checked and rechecked her, her reading lamp. She, she moved the air van around several times. She located the emergency exits and then took time to point them out to me. And she told me, she wanted me to be real clear about this, that if the steward came by and offered us a drink, it was okay to take it because we'd already paid for it in the ticket price unless we wanted alcohol, and then that would be some more. And she's sitting by the window beside me, looking out. We're still on the ground. 
She's giving me a play-by-play description of the loading of the luggage. And she wanted me to describe my bag to her so she could tell me if it got on. And she got very animated, almost gleeful when she saw her luggage go up the ramp and into the plane. And oh my goodness sake, when those little TVs popped down and started to give us the safety instructions, she giggled and she started writing down notes. And I got to tell you, it was a wonderful, electric, somewhat magical moment for her. A moment that she dreamed about for a lot of years. And now it was happening for her. And she was thrilled beyond belief. You know, as I sat beside this woman who had been plopped down beside me and experienced air travel through fresh and appreciative eyes, I was kind of touched by it. And I was, I was sensitized to all that was going on around us and how truly amazing it really all was. And even though I was getting a pretty good kick out of her watching, you know, and savoring the experience and basking in the glow of the moment, I thought it was important for me to look around. What do you think all the other folks on the plane were doing? I mean, some of them weren't even on their first plane ride that week. So there they were, sleeping or trying to sleep, thumbing through the Sky Mall magazine, probably trying to buy your Christmas presents, trying to make some little child happy, sending texts and emails, talking on the phone, reading, watching movies, playing games, listening to music, working on laptop computers. And most everyone in that plane except her, looked incredibly bored or very preoccupied. You know why, don't they? Don't you? Because they were frequent flyers. They'd been down that road before. They'd flown this flight before. They might have even flown that exact trip before. They'd gone from here to there so many times. They've experienced air travel. So there was nothing fresh about it for them. There was nothing invigorating to them. There was no magic, no wonder, no miracle, no inspiration, no appreciation, no exhilaration, and no excitement. Nothing like she was experienced. It was all old hat routine, same old thing, business as usual, just growing through the motions again, because most of the people on that day, including myself, had become victims of the frequent flyer syndrome. And as I thought about it, and I was given cause to think about it, I suddenly realized something. It hit me like a bolt out of the blue and sat down beside me just like she did. This frequent flyer syndrome is the problem. It's the challenge. It's the temptation that we face as we make our spiritual journeys through Christmas and through life. Sadly, as we go through life and journey even through Christmas, we often miss the joy of the moment. We often lose the excitement of the experience. We often fail to feel the presence of God. We often take for granted what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. And we often miss the miracles of God's grace that are all around us. This frequent flyer syndrome is dangerous. Listen to me. It can kill Christmas. It can kill your Christmas. It can poison your spiritual lives and devastate your souls. It can desensitize us and dampen our spirits. It can rob us of the vitality and joy of life and lull us into a spiritual lethargy at this or any other time of year. You see, here's the thing. We have been to Christmas before. We have been to Christmas frequently. Let us not be desensitized. Here's why. Even my admonishment 
to you to take new notice of the miracles, excitement, and joy that is ours at Christmas. Even that admonishment is something you've heard frequently, isn't it? Isn't it? One of the blogs that I I read had an article addressing this earlier this week. I, I didn't even want to read it. Because it was addressing this, this Jesus is the reason for the season. Don't forget to put the Christ in Christmas. And, you know, I've I've been by that before. I've heard it before. But I read this guy every week, so I said, oh, what the heck. And so so I listened to this young theologian who was kind of on a rant regarding how we Christians do not take Christmas seriously. Now, while his article was way too long to to share you in too many words, let me give you a brief synopsis because he had something important for us to hear. What this aspiring preacher from New York, young preacher from New York, wrote was this. Quit yelling out that everyone has stopped celebrating the real meaning of Christmas. Quit tweeting and Facebooking. Everyone just takes God coming in Jesus Christ for granted. Quit putting banners across your driveway or things in your window that proclaim Jesus is the reason for the season. Stop picking up bullhorns and making sure that everyone knows that Christmas is about Christ. Rather than bully everyone, let them see the Christ of Christmas in you. That's awesome. Be the one that is so filled with true joy and excitement in God's coming in Jesus Christ that Christ himself oozes out of your spirit and onto everyone around you. And that, my friends, is how we celebrate the real meaning of Christmas. I kind of liked what that kid wrote because it points the arrow of responsibility not out there at the culture, not at the merchant world, not at the internet. It points the arrow of responsibility right at my heart and right at your heart as well. It's our heart that must first be open to the miracle and the message our God brings tonight. So listen to it with fresh ears on this very evening. You know, as we become adults, we lose something that I think is really cool of little kids. Little children, when they are really excited about something, or if they see something for the first time, they have a kind of clap that we don't have as adults. They go like this. Right? You've all seen it. And some of you may still do something like that. It's one of the coolest things ever because it is pure, unadulterated joy and happiness that comes by that. But you know, when we become adults, we somehow stop that clap and even just kind of do the Methodist patty cake sometimes when we're clapping for stuff. We even sometimes, someone will say, hey, you know, great news! You won a million bucks! You say, is that going to be a check or ACH? I don't know. We're just so out of excitement. The Christmas message is to be heard like that. The Christmas message is clear. It's miraculous. It's full of wonder and exhilaration and excitement. I I call you to open yourselves and your sensitivities to it tonight. Open your sensitivities to the God who loves you so much that He becomes as one of us. Let not the stuff of Christmas cause you not to even notice him. A preacher friend told me a story about being invited to to a party to celebrate a wedding. Now, when Pastor Keith and I go to weddings, 
usually we're kind of in the middle of it. You know, we're, we're helping perform the ceremony. And then kindly, usually the families or our friends or part of those families invite us along to it. This particular case, my, my, past, my pastor friend, who's also a single dude, was invited by his girlfriend just to the wedding celebration. And so when he went to the wedding celebration, he, he sat down and, of course, you know, it was a normal wedding celebration. They arrived late because that's what you do, you know. You do. I know you do. I know you people. He, he really didn't know anybody there except his date. It was in a different town than when he was a pastor at. Everybody was doing what they do. They were happy. They were dancing. They were laughing. They were sing, uh, you know, singing, eating, visiting, hanging out, all that. And it was just a great, fun time. And as the night went by, Dick, my buddy, said that he noticed this beautiful young woman sitting at a table all by herself, just sitting there. Nobody paying any attention to her at all. Nobody sitting down to talk to her. Nobody engaging her. And when he turned to his date, he said, who is that woman? And she said, don't you know? He says, no, I don't know. Who is that? She said, well, let me, let me introduce you to her. She's the bride. She's the bride. Dick was stunned. And as he told us the story, he said, can you imagine that? Can you imagine being left alone and unnoticed at your own wedding party? Can you imagine being ignored on your big day? Now, friends, can I make it any clearer than that? Can the Christmas message get any clearer than that? The guest of honor at this and every Christmas is God in Jesus Christ. Has our activity, our conversations, our celebration, preparation for Christmas acknowledged that basic truth? For if it has not... Let this service of worship be your moment of adjustment. Before we step past the eve of Christmas, adjust yourself. See, the guest of honor at Christmas is not to be set aside unnoticed. The guest of honor at Christmas has an agenda, an agenda that should refresh even the most calloused of souls. The child of Mary, born then and there, comes with the promise of salvation to our here and now. He comes to rattle us out of our lethargy of the same thing one day after another. He comes with the urgent truth that if we receive him not, our sins will not be blotted out and there is no future for us, you see. The guest of honor at Christmas is not to be set aside unnoticed. The child wrapped in rags on a cold night in Bethlehem, unnoticed by the great and powerful long ago, comes to be the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, in the fragmented, disjointed, warring world of our today. You see, if we receive his presence, the most difficult moments of our lives can be calmed. Now, I say that because I know you. And I know that some of you are either in or at the edge of the most difficult moments that your life has and may know. You see, if we receive his presence, the King of Kings, the Prince of Peace, Jesus, our Lord, the most difficult moments of our lives can be calmed and the darkest nights of our souls can be brightened. If only we receive him, the peace he brings can prevail, you see, because the battle is the Lord's. He has already won. It can prevail over any disruption of our life or one that is in our world. 
The guest of honor at Christmas is not to be set aside unnoticed. The child of peasant stock laid in the fielding trough in, in, the, in the feed trough of a cold cave witnessed by only a few of his generation calls to our entire generation to give witness. He comes not so that we can see, see him and say, Oh, Christmas, we've been here before. We've seen all this stuff prior. Rather, he comes to call each of us to participate in his story. Like the shepherds and the wise men in the days of old, in these days, All of us that know the story are to hear it again for the first time, just as they did when they were experiencing it the first time. We are to get on our knees and worship and maybe clap our hands like a little child that is exuberant and excited and then rise up and live out our days in service to him. Friends, that's the Christmas message. You can't frequent flyer it. You can't be preoccupied, bored, Or acting uninterested. You know, Christmas just can't be taken for granted. This story cannot simply be dusted off and read again this night, like some of our seniors in high school did, and then put back on the shelf for a more diluted and less meaningful reading a year from now. The Christ must come alive in our Christmas. A banker friend once told me a story, which is going to be the big finish here. It was the end of the year. So the devil was throwing a Christmas party for all of his entire evil minion. Yes, even Satan has a Christmas party. As one of the demons prepared to depart the party, depart the party to go on some evil mission, he walked up to Satan and said, Merry Christmas, boss. Yeah. Yeah, said the Lord of darkness, Satan himself. Let's keep it merry. Because if they ever take it serious, we're going to be in big, big trouble. Is not the truth therein? Our desire this night, this holy night, must be to hear the message with a fresh perspective, to take it seriously and act upon it in new ways. For to us, the unwilling... For to us, the ill-prepared. For to the us, the undeserving. For to us, the unready. Today, a Savior is born. And He is Christ the Lord. Let us receive His promise. Allow His presence and peace to wash over us. Participate in Christmas every day in our worship and service. And then our lives will join the very angels' voices in crying out, Glory to God in the highest heaven. And peace on earth. That is as crisp and clear as the Christmas message can ever get. Have a Merry Christmas, friends. Be blessed, for you are loved by your Lord. Amen. I'd encourage you to grab those candles that were handed you on the way in. And before we light them, first, a quick lesson in thermodynamics. If you have a lit candle, please remain, have it remain upright. The rest will, will be easy to figure out. Um, but hold them upright. Let the person that's lighting from you turn theirs to the side. Turn to the liturgy uh, that will appear on the screen, the celebration 
of the light of the world. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. You are the light of our world. Be light in our darkness, O Christ. Tonight we light these candles and hold them high as a symbol. We light these candles to proclaim that Christ is the light of our lives. Let us celebrate that truth. Ushers, will you assist me? Oh. Um. 
Now, of course, as our service draws to its conclusion, we will extinguish these candles, but we know that they are just representatives of the light of Christ which is in our hearts. So I encourage you to take that light with you as you go. Let's extinguish our candles. But let the light in your heart burn brightly, and it brings us joy in our world. So if you're able, let's stand and all together sing our closing hymn, Joy to the World. We have a couple more services coming after you. If you take those candles and drop them or give them to the ushers on the way out. Go now, serve the Lord. Uh, Hallelujah. Merry Christmas. Amen. Amen.